0: Welcome everyone to the Crick Talk with Jeff podcast. The T Twenty World Cup has begun, and we have finished the first round. So now it's time for the Super Twelve, where the top twelve teams would battle it out for a spot in the semis of this edition of the of the T Twenty World Cup. But before we have a look at teams, let's first have a look at some of the conditions. This T Twenty World Cup was originally going to take place in India. But due to rising COVID cases, it was moved to the UAE. And the conditions in the UAE, they favor spin. And that's something that we'll see with team selections and how captains are using their bowlers. We'll be seeing spinners playing a much bigger role here in the UAE. And we could see them bowling much more in the power play as well um, compared to previous editions of T20 World Cups. So really, the role of spinners in the UAE, in this T20 World Cup, that's really going to be big. Now, for those players who've played in the IPL in this past season, IPL 2021, I think they'll be at a bit of an advantage here, having gotten accustomed to the conditions because they just played in the UAE for a month. They played IPL, which was high competitive cricket. Um, So, a lot of the Indian players, especially, I think, they will be at an advantage here. And then your foreign players as well who've played In the past month, you know, you've got guys like Trent Bolt, Andrew Nokia, Kane Williamson. You know, these players they'll also be at that advantage, having already gotten accustomed to the conditions. And though there were two practice matches which took place for each team, players have played the IPL have played for a month compared to the practice games, which were just two practice games over the over the duration of a week. So Looking at that practice-wise, getting accustomed to conditions-wise, I feel that those who've played the IPLT will be more accustomed to conditions than those who've just played those practice matches. And I'll talk more about the practice games in a bit when we are looking at the teams in the Super 12. Right now, let's start off from the beginning, which is with the first round. And this round, as I said, has already been completed. So there were two groups, Group A and Group B. Group A consisted of Sri Lanka, Ireland, Nambia, and and the Netherlands. While Group B was Bangladesh, Scotland, Papua New Guinea, and Oman. And two teams were to qualify from each group. So from Group A, Sri Lanka and Nambia qualified. While from Group B, we saw Scotland and Bangladesh go on into the next stage. So these four teams were now to progress into the Super 12 where the top eight T20 sides in the world awaited. Now in the Super 12, the two groups were Group 1 and Group 2. And in Group 1, you've got the West Indies, who of course are the defending champions, winning the last T20 World Cup back in 2016. Then you've got England, who were the runners-up that year. You've got Australia, South Africa, and then the two teams to qualify, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. And then in Group 2, you've got India, New Zealand, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and then Scotland and Nambia were the two teams which qualified from round one. So let's start off with group one. And who better to start off with than the defending champions themselves, the West Indies. They're known for the T20 cricket in this modern era. But the West Indies, they aren't really looking like a champion side ahead of of this World Cup. They lost both their warm-up games which were against Pakistan and Afghanistan, and on both occasions, they were only about to make 130, which was a below par score. Now, if we look at the strength for the West Indies in T20 cricket, it has been their batting, and their strength is the fact that they've got so many power hitters in their lineup, but this time, those power hitters just haven't come to the party yet, and the West Indies they would really want them to find some form ahead of their first game, which is against England. Now, speaking of England, they did better than the West Indies in the practice games. They lost their first one against India, but then came back well in the second game to get a win against New Zealand. In the game against India, their batting did well, with everyone chipping in with 20s, 30s, and 40s. England eventually ended up making 188 for 5 in their 20 overs. And not a single batsman hit a fifty. So England, they would be pretty happy with the fact that all of their batsmen are doing pretty well at the moment. The worries for England, were, <clears throat> sorry, the worries for England would really come with the ball. And Jofra Archer, who's been England's lead bowler in the white ball format, will not be taking part in the T Twenty World Cup, and that'll be a pretty big blow for England. Against India, they lost the game with an over to spare, and they weren't able to get many wickets, once again going back to the fact that their bowling attack does have a dent in there with no Jofra Archer. But then in the next game against New Zealand, they did do pretty well, you know, stepping up with the ball, did some of their bowlers, and after making 163, they ended up restricting New Zealand to 150 to win that game by 13 runs. Now let's have a look at Australia, who didn't do too badly in their warm-up games. They won their first game by three wickets against New Zealand, and that game went down to the last over. The next game was was much more one-sided, as India chased down 152 in just under 18 overs. Now a big concern for Australia would be David Warner's form with the bat, and He didn't do too well in the IPL, and he was even dropped from the SRH team. He he was the captain. He was dropped from captains. He was dropped from the 11 altogether. And now he's just got one run in both the warm-up games combined. So at the top of the order, that's a sign of worry for the Australians that David Warner isn't in good form with the bat, and he's also not going to be high on confidence going into this T20 World Cup, which is definitely not what you want from one of your lead batsmen. But someone who's not a worry... For Australia at the moment is Glenn Maxwell. He is in excellent form at the moment. He did really well in the IPL for RCB um, and he performed very well, you know, hitting 50s, uh, doing pretty well with the ball as well. Uh, So, Glenn Maxwell, he's been really looking good, especially with the bat over the past few weeks and he continued that form into these practice games and Australia they'd really be hoping that he continues this amazing form of his into this T20 World Cup. With the ball, Kane Richardson did well against New Zealand opening the bowling. He took 3 for 24 in 4 overs and so I feel Kane Richardson he is doing really well at the moment. Now, let's have a look at South Africa. They won both their warm-up games which were against Afghanistan and Pakistan and their bowling attack its looking good. And the entirety of their attack was really amongst the wickets in both the warm-up games. With the bat, Rassi van der Desen hit 100 against Pakistan of just 50 deliveries. And so he'll be full of confidence really coming into this T20 World Cup. Looking at the two teams which qualified from Round 1, we've got Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. and It was really surprising to see you know, both these sides play in the qualifier. Because we look at Sri Lanka, they even won the 2014 T20 World Cup, which was the one right before the 2016 T20 World Cup. So Sri Lanka, they recently, you could say recently won a T20 World Cup. And now the fact that they have to play a qualifier was just really surprising. Or not necessarily qualifier, you could say, but like round when, you know, not directly coming into the Super 12. So that was really surprising. And I think the decline we've seen with Sri Lankan cricket over the past few years, over the past decade as well, from that uh, nineteen ninety six World Cup which they won, that of course being an ODI World Cup. But still, the decline we've seen in Sri Lankan cricket it's it's been very saddening for cricket fans, I think, all around the world to see that Sri Lanka, who were these who was this great side in world cricket and international cricket, and now they just haven't got those players anymore i feel some of this is because they really need to focus more on domestic cricket and you know really grooming those players because you know you had that era you know you had 1998 world cup yes you've got arjuna ranatunga you had the silva and then after that you had the likes of sangakara you had uh, mahila jaywardhan you know you had the likes of these guys lasat malinga as well and then after that there hasn't really been those players to step up and to fill those shoes. And we can see that because in just in just seven years, Sri Lanka have gone from winning a T20 World Cup to not even directly coming into the Super 12. So my predictions from this group are England. Well, I think they'll definitely qualify. And then I'll also back Australia to qualify. So in the last few years, going back to England, in the last few years, they've done well in the T20 format, even with the loss of a few big players in this edition. I think they are still one of the favorites. Now, looking at Australia, I think they could qualify, but it could also be the West Indies who qualify in place with them. Though the West Indies aren't really looking in the best of touch right now, they're a side which are really based around power hitting. And so even if a couple of players just start firing, really, they can get to a huge score. Can the West Indies? So West Indies, you can never rule them out in T20 cricket. And West Indies and Australia, it'll be an interesting battle to see who gets into the semi-finals of the T20 World Cup. South Africa are a side which I feel have been really overshadowed by the fact that West Indies, England, and Australia are all three in the same group. because South Africa, they've won both their warm-up games, and I feel that they also do have a bit of a chance. It will be tough for them, but they can definitely make it to the semi-finals. Now moving to group 2 let's have a look at India who are one of the turn- who are one of the favorites to win the entire tournament. India did really well in the warm-up games. They won both of their warm-up games and that- those were against England and Australia. Their top order is in excellent touch at the moment. We look at Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul. They're looking really good. And Rahul, actually, he did really well. He was the third highest run scorer in the IPL. And it seems that he's continuing his form. Rohit Sharma, though he didn't have the best of IPLs, it seems that he's finding some form here as well. So both Rohit and Rahul at the top of the order looking good. And Virat Kohli actually said... At one of the tosses in the practice games, that Rohit and Rahul that will be the opening combination. So, any ideas that Rohit would open with um, Ishan Kishan and then Rahul could bat in the middle, or Rohit would open with Kohli? You know, those were those ideas were floating around. But now they've been absolutely just crushed. Now, now that Kohli has said that Rohit and Rahul would open, and now Rohit, Sharma, and Rahul, they have been really the the lead openers for India, the main openers for India in the T20 format, they have been those two best of the best batsmen at the top, you know, Rohit Sharma, of course, an excellent player, KL Rahul, that ability to play quickly, the ability to anchor the innings as well as he does for the Punjab Kings in the IPL, so Rohit and Rahul at the top of the order, that's a good combination for India. Now, you've got Surya Kumar Yadav and Ishan Kishan, they both got a few scores under their belt and it'll be interesting to see which of them do eventually manage to get into the 11 as India's number four. I think that India, will probably end up playing Surya Kumar Yadav, um, though Ishan Kishan did score more runs here in the warm-up games. So I feel that Surya Kumar he is more dependable, he's more reliable, which is really what you want from a number four in the T20 World Cup. And also... I feel he's a better player of spin than Ishan Kishan and as I've said before, you know, spin will really play a big part. So you're playing spin well, then that's that's something you really want from a player in this edition of the T20 World Cup. Ishan Kishan though will definitely be one of the backups in case anyone in the top 5 gets injured because he can open the batting, he can keep wickets, he can bat in the middle order as well. So Ishan Kishan will definitely act as that backup in the side. Now, with the ball, Bhuvneshwar was a bit expensive in the first game, going for 54 runs in 4 overs. But he came back well in the second game, which was against Australia, and took 1 for 27 in 4 overs, including that big wicket of Steve Smith. Now, looking at the bowling and moving from pace to spin, India, they've picked quite a few spinners in their side. Jadeja, Ashwin, Chakravarti, and Rahul Chahar. So I think Jareja and Ashwin, those two will play. Jareja, of course, one of the main T20 all-rounders for India. Uh, or may, one of the main all-rounders across all formats, actually. And then you've got Ashwin, who managed to find a way into this T20 side. He actually got 2-for-8 in two overs. And, and that was um, in the warm-up games. And so I he will also come into his side, especially because he does so well against left-handers as well. So Ashwin inside. Now, one of Rahul Chahar. And Varun Chakravarti would get in. And I think it's probably going to be Rahul Chahar. because I think Chahar, he has done well. I mean, Chakravarti as well. Um, Both of them have done well in the past season of the IPL. But I feel Rahul Chahar will really get in. Because I think he did better in the warm-up games. But, you know, it'll be an interesting battle. And you can't really go wrong with either one of them, you know. Varun Chakravarti, Rahul Chahar, both excellent spinners in the side. Now, another big question for India will be that if Hardik Pandya cannot bowl, then who really is in the side as that 6th bowling option? Because if you've got Pant at 5, and then you're playing Hardik at 6, then do you want to play Hardik as a pure batsman? And, you know, he hasn't really been in the best of form with the bat, but, you know, he he is one of your main all-rounders in the format, but... But then again, he can't bowl. So it'll be interesting to see what India do. Will they keep Hardik Pandya purely based on his batting abilities? Will he maybe be able to bowl in this T20 World Cup, even if it is towards that latter half? You know, India do always have the option of Shardul Thakur, who is also that all-rounder. But then you would be shortening your batting by quite a bit, actually, because... If you look at Hardik Pandya, he is a better batsman than Shardul Thakur. Shardul Thakur, he can bat, but he can only bat a bit. So it'll be inter- interesting to see what India go with. Do they pick Hardik Pandya? Can Hardik Pandya bowl? Or will Shardul Thakur find a place into the side? Now, let's have a look at New Zealand. Both of their games they played in the warm-ups, they were really close. But unfortunately for them... They ended up on the losing side on both occasions, as Australia and England ended up victorious. Now the top order has been looking good for New Zealand. In the game against Australia, we saw a lot of thirties from the top and middle order, but then in the game against England, a lot of them got out early. So you know, it's it's been a bit of hit or miss here with that New Zealand top order. Though Martin Guptill opening the batting, he has been doing really well. He got around seventy runs total. In both the games combined and New Zealand would really want his good form to continue into this World Cup. Though he didn't play in the IPL, you know, he's still done well in these practice games. He's looking like he's really used to the conditions. And if his form can continue, then I think New Zealand they'd really be in good shape for this T20 World Cup. Now, speaking of batting, against England, the last wicked partnership for New Zealand was worth nearly 50 runs. Nearly 50 runs that partnership was worth. And that was between batsmen 10 and 11. And it wasn't like one top-order batsman or one middle-order batsman really just stuck around and played with the number 11, you know, and scored the bulk of the runs, and the number 11 just defended and took singles, you know? This was between batsmen 10 and 11. So it's really great to see this fight back from the New Zealand tail because at that point, they were basically out of the game. Uh, they need another 60-odd runs or so to win. And then for this New Zealand here, for the number 10 and 11 to step up and get them that close. That was really just incredible fight back from the New Zealand tail. Now, looking at Tim Southey, he bowled the first over um, in both the games of the innings where New Zealand was bowling. And he got a wicket off the first ball both times. He got Jason Roy out in the game against England, and then he picked up David Warner out on the first ball of the innings against Australia. So, Tim Southey, you know, getting those first ball wickets, I mean, if if that continues, which, you know, it may, but um, Tim Southey really at the top, I think he's really looking good. You know, those early wickets will really help New Zealand, you know, those first ball wickets, I mean, if he keeps getting them. I think New Zealand, they won't complain, you know, getting those top-order batsmen out, getting that open out early, you know, it really sets an opposition on the back foot. You know? So that's why early wickets, they are so key, especially in the T20 format, you know, because you want to look to maximize the power play, but you don't want to go out there and just lose three wickets in the first six, right? So that's why if you get a wicket early, then that really just helps your son, really helps. It really puts the pressure onto the batting team and it means that they cannot accelerate as much as they would have liked to in the power play. So Tim Saudi at the top, he is looking really good with the ball at the moment. Now let's move on to Pakistan. Pakistan, like many other teams, won one game and lost one game in the warm ups. They beat the West Indies in their first game with Babar Azam and Fakhar Zaman scoring runs, and in this game, and they did really well in that game. And then in the game against South Africa. Fakhar Zaman continued his form with a fifty, though, uh, though Pakistan ended up losing that game against South Africa. With the ball, Shaina Freedy picked up two wickets in both games. So you got two wickets, a total of four wickets total in the two games combined. But he was a bit expensive. He conceded forty one runs in four overs in a game where the West Indies were only able to make one thirty. So. So, I feel he was a bit expensive, but, you know, he is getting you wickets. So I think that's fine. As a side, you're looking at guys that even if they are expensive, if they're getting you wickets, then that's completely fine. Overall, I think that Pakistan, they've got a pretty good team in this T20 World Cup. You know, likes of Babar Azam, likes of Mohammad Rizwan, Fakhar Zaman finding some form here, Shaheen Afridi as well, doing well. So, I feel Pakistan, they've got a pretty good team coming into this T20 World Cup. Now, another team from Asia in this group is Afghanistan. Afghanistan beat the West Indies, who, of course, were the defending champions. And they won that game by 56 runs with Mohammed Nabi taking three wickets for just two runs in his four overs. He bowled two maiden overs as well. So Mohammed Nabi, the captain, of course, of this Afghanistan side, he's done really well there with the ball. Now, I do expect Afghanistan to cause some upsets here. Um, though they aren't really favorites to even qualify for the playoffs, I do think that they can cause some upsets and I do think that they have the ability of being like those dark horses in this World Cup where, you know, they could be that team which just surprises everyone and really does well. So, their bowling definitely does have the ability to do that but their batting is the one thing which concerns me, you know, with Afghanistan is that their batting... It's pretty unstable and it's not really too reliable. They did well in the practice games, but it's it's not really something that they have consistency with. You know, with the ball, they're consistent with the ball. You know, they continuously bowl well. But with the bat, it's a different story, you know. It's, it's hit or miss with the bat for Afghanistan. And so if they do well with the bat, then I think they can definitely be those dark horses in this World Cup and come out to surprise everyone. Now, looking at the teams who qualified from round one, we've got Scotland and Nambia. And Scotland, they won all three of these games, their games, while Nambia won two. And Nambia actually beat Ireland in their last encounter to qualify for the Super 12. So whoever would win that game would qualify. And it was Nambia in the end who ended up victorious. And it was surprising that Ireland got knocked out in the super uh in the in round one before even qualifying for the super twelve you no know, I expected them to come into the super twelve they're not a bad team at all um but yeah Ireland they got knocked out in just round one Nambia they made history actually qualifying because this was the first time that they're playing in a t20 world cup so to, to qualify there into the super twelve I think that's just a great achievement for their country and I feel that you know it's 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 a historical moment for them in their history of cricket. Scotland, on the other hand, as we go back to them, they won all three of their games. And actually, um, in in an interview after one of the games, um, one of the players said that as as a side, you know, Scotland, they've, being in round one, they've really got to just win all of their games. And Scotland, they're doing exactly that. Now, obviously, t- uh, competition is gonna be tougher in that super 12 but scotland as well they've got the ability to cause some upsets i mean um you know they've, they've done well over the years but they just haven't been able to really compete with some of the top teams in the world but i think they've got a good side and they can really you know cause some upsets in this world cup so my predictions from this group are that india and new zealand will qualify I think both teams, they've done well in the warm-ups and I think they'll continue that coming into this T20 World Cup. Pakistan also do have a good chance and I think that it should be a good battle between them and New Zealand for a spot in the playoffs because Pakistan and New Zealand, both teams are looking good right now and both of them, really, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which of them qualifies and as I said before, you know, Teams like Afghanistan, they could cause some upsets, you know, be that surprise team. But it's it's unlikely that way. So I think Pakistan and New Zealand, one of them will really qualify. I'm going to go with New Zealand and then India, of course. I think they are giants in world cricket in all three formats. So India to qualify and then one of New Zealand and Pakistan from this group. And as I said before, from the other group, I'm picking England and Australia. So my four picks for the playoffs, England, Australia india and new zealand with new zealand competing a bit with pakistan and australia up against the west indies as two matchups which i feel only one of them will qualify and it'll be interesting to see which one of them do so thank you for joining me today in my preview of the super 12 and my review of round one as well and the warm-up games as well and i hope you have a great rest of your day